Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Danny Hoots. Danny's latest novel is Revenge. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. If someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Revenge, how would you describe the novel? Uh, it's a sci-fi Western, uh, a lot like Firefly, but it's uh, LGBT. It's about Ellie who wants to find out the truth what happened to her home because her her entire nation was destroyed and she thinks it had to do with her fiancé. So she sets off with her best friend into the unknown and to find the truth. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing your novel, Revenge? I was thinking about it, but I can't quite remember, actually. Because it was going to be a lot different and like more more Western than sci-fi, but then it just kept changing. And I, I'm not quite sure the original inspiration. Sure. Um, and is that is that common for you when you're working on something to have an idea and have it go in a different direction than what you Sometimes. originally planned? Sometimes. It, it definitely depends. The story, a lot of stories that I've been working on like have been in my head for years, and so they, they'll evolve a lot of the times. Sure. Well, I note that in addition to Revenge, you've written several book series. Can you tell us about some of your other books and book series? Yeah, I've written mostly uh, YA, fantasy, and sci-fi. I have a Daughter of Hades series, which is based off Greek mythology. Uh, Wonderland Chronicles, that's based on uh, Alice's Adventures of Wonderland. Also, the Sunshine series, which is a sci-fi based on like a dream I had in high school. Or maybe not even high school, it might have been... No, it's high school. Uh, then I have a couple of standalones based on mythology. And then I have my pen name, which is Lear Thorson. And that's more adult sci-fi kind of romance, darker stuff. I just wanted a different name. So people like saw it's not the same as my normal stuff. <laughs> sure. Well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing your first novel? So I wrote my I technically finished my first novel while I was in high school, actually. Um, I always loved stories. Uh, loved, I lo- grew up watching Star Wars constantly, uh, Sailor Moon, and finished in high school. And that was actually the quest, the Sunshine series, but I edited it a lot during uh, in college. I didn't like ever plan most. Well, I'm still not just a writer, but... Mm, to be mostly a writer and that kind of evolved just um, when going through college and I had some health issues and like, no, the writing is what makes me happy. And so I focused on that a lot more. I got to take a lot of classes at ASU through their uh, continuing education uh, versus actual credited classes. And I got to like classes with Michael Stackpole, Kevin J. Anderson, Timothy Zahn. It was really cool being a Star Wars nerd, especially. Sure. Um, and, and, how did those classes and, and those interactions with Timothy Zahn and Kevin J. Anderson and Michael Stackpole, how did that help you in your journey as a writer? Uh, it definitely gave me confidence because, you know, you get feedback and, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I need to fix, but, like, also stuff that are like, oh, you're really good at this. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> um, but just learning from them and, like, their journey is is was really helpful. Uh, and then still... Like, I don't, like, keep in contact constantly, but, like, sure. still having that uh, connection and um, 
getting to see them at conventions is a lot of fun. And then just, I'm also in a YA community here in Arizona, and that has helped me a lot this last year because they're very supportive. So just find, I think finding just support in a community is really important. That's great. Well, well, I know um, uh, that you uh, self-publish a number of your books. What um, what led you to self-publishing, and how has that worked for you? Um, so I did start like trying to find agents, and you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I definitely, when I was younger, which sounds weird when I'm not even thirty, but like when I was younger and like pitching to agents, like I, I know like why I got rejected and like I, I've definitely built uh, a lot become a better writer I guess I should say uh, but the reason I did or, um, self-publish was because like I'm a total Capricorn and if I worked on something I'm not just going for me and I don't care like I'm no judge on anyone who does uh, put it just in a drawer because like I did all that work and like I want to show it to the world no matter what like so that's why I self-publish, just because I think it's important to, because of my work. Sure. Is that um, so, <laughs> no? It, it it does it does. So um so you mentioned earlier um in passing about um revenge being uh, uh LGBTQ. Can you talk about that and 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 you know what was your decision process and and you know writing revenge? Uh yeah. So uh. When I write characters, they kind of just take a life of their own. Uh, like I just start them and then they like, they do their own thing. And I, mm -hmm. I typically don't like tell them what to do. <laughs> I don't know. Some, I know some writers are like that too. Um, so like when they are just like, oh, I'm bi. Okay. Like, and then that's how I wrote them. Like I didn't like go in and be like, okay, I want this character, this type of character, this type of character. It just kind of happened. Sure. And I was happy because um, I like writing LGBT books. It's my first big one, um, but I have a lot like that are coming out in the next few years that are also LGBT. That's great. Well, what's your writing process when you're working on a new novel? Do you write an extensive outline? Um, or as you mentioned, um, do you just let your characters um, uh, kind of speak to you and, and just kind of jump into the narrative? How does that work for you? Uh, I usually, um, for my outlines, I do about like a two page outline with just like bullet points, but so it's really, really relaxed outline and I know how it's going to end typically. Uh, but then like, they'll definitely take over and become like their own thing. And like, sometimes like, oh, I'll have to add a chapter here, take out a chapter there, uh, for revenge, it's was originally only three point of views and now it's four because one of the characters became more alive and he, he definitely like totally changed. So I had to like go and rewrite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I am a planter. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, I know that, that in self publishing that, that, um, the, the book cover is very important. And, mm -hmm. um, I was really, um, uh, the, the cover for revenge caught my eye. Um, what, what is your process for that? Do you, um, have the same designer? Um, how do you work on your book covers? Um, I typically do use the same designer, but for revenge, um, actually came across, oh, who was it? 
some authors are posting like their you know their cover and their book mm-hmm. and I'm like that's a beautiful art and like I tracked it down and emailed her and she was booked out quite a ways and so like <laughs> I got I was like oh I think it'd be really cool for this series so I have all the books in the series already but she just does the art and so I actually went to my other artists for everything and she did the format with the title because I, I tried and I was like no I want this to look good <laughs> so um and I, re- I really like how it turned out especially the back cover um it looks really cool because it's like a zoom in with the uh, main character for that uh book and and who is the artist for uh, Revenge? Oh, uh, Mona Finden I think it's pronounced Finden got it um and are you working on another novel now? Yeah, I am I'm working on book two. That'll be out in February, so I need to really... Yay, NaNoWriMo. I, I definitely can write faster if I have like competition, so those writing sprints help me a lot. But it's it's the outlines are done because uh, for the artist, she's like, can you give me an outline of your book or like a summary? <laughs> I had to summarize the entire series. I'm like, okay, it's cool. I'm all, I'm all ready to go for everything. And I think book two, like, sequels are a lot easier for me to write because i know the character like i'm not like discovering things and having to go back and change stuff uh i mean i I do still have to change stuff but like not as much as i would on the first draft of the first book because okay i can be in their heads really easily well um you mentioned nanowrimo um uh just a moment ago have you done nanowrimo before yeah um a few times uh I'm usually, uh, for COVID, how I'm coping is writing a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I I, uh, I definitely have, for the past two years, written novel in November. And some, I saw one person was doing four novels, and that was just crazy. Wow. And they're all on track, and I'm like, wow. Wow. And, and for those listening who may not know, NaNoWriMo is um, an, an acronym or short for National Novel, novel Writing Month, which, which happens every uh november and you can look it up online um so i just wanted to ask you self-publishing changes quite often as Mm -hmm. 2021 is drawing to a close what advice would you have for someone who's listening who may be just starting their self-publishing journey marketing take marketing classes it's very very important because uh typically traditional publishing has a big marketing team behind them usually uh and that like no one's gonna just discover your book maybe they will maybe this this no i'm not gonna say it's not a possibility but when you're when there's like a lot of books published every day um for self-publish and traditional uh you you kind of have to find your niche which takes time because um as i was saying i I usually write fantasy in this one this one's sci-fi and i had to find a whole new niche um because my audience more like mythology than than sci-fi so that's been fun but like definitely marketing and definitely finding your community um don't just go in and ask for stuff but like you know develop relationships and uh find just that mutual wanting to help each other not not necessarily asking or expecting favors right well well what uh, writing advice in terms of writing um, uh, the novels. What what advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? This this advice is by uh, that Michael Stockpole actually told us, and 
And I think uh, Joseph Nassis uh, was to just keep writing. Don't don't go back and edit. Just finish your book. You can't you can't edit non not finished work. So even if you're going to go back and change like a whole scene, just just put a note and keep writing. And I I, I definitely think that helped me a lot because it give, takes off the stress of of um, thinking it needs to be perfect the first time. And yeah, definitely just just finish the draft. And I think uh, Stephen King does that, but then he throws away the whole draft and then starts over, which is not something I would do. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> well, well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? And that I you really like uh, Karen. Mc, I think McManus is her last name. Uh, uh, oh, what was it called? She just got like a tv show on peacock um one of us is lying uh it's a ya dark academia thriller i i've been like having fun with those they're they're really interesting i really love Lindsay ellie's um i'm just blanking on names uh gunslinger girl um recent i i love stalking Jack the Ripper series, and I'm like in the middle of that. I can't think of who wrote. That's fun. Um, well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your your novels and your various uh, novel series? Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Um, I have a website, dannyhoots.com. I also am very active on Instagram, which is at dannyhootsauthor. And I post, um, every other post is a mythology fact of the day. And then I also post like uh, reviews and uh, cover reveals and stuff like that with fun cosplay and backgrounds. Canva is amazing, by the way. Be speaking to marketing, get just, just, just subscribe to Canva because it can do so much. Is really cool. And can you describe what Canva is for those who may not know? Um, it's like you can make posts and stuff, especially the are the picture pictures for posts. Um, it it has one uh, what's it called uh, templates already, or you can make your own, and you can actually take a picture. Like if you took a picture of yourself in front of something, you're like, I don't want that background. I want to make it like kind of look like I did a Photoshop. <laughs> um, you just click a button, and it takes away the background, and I'm just in just enamored by the fact they can do this <laughs> and so that's what i've been doing and like matching the the cover for the background it's been fun <laughs> that's great well again we've been speaking with danny hoots danny's latest novel is revenge the novel is available now so go buy a copy and danny thanks for doing this interview thank you for having me great now stay tuned for a brief excerpt from the audio book of Danny Hoot's novel, Revenge, narrated by Valerie Rose Lohman, Ryan Hogan, Alex Legace, and Ron Guan. Audio edited by Alex Kingsley. Available wherever audiobooks are sold.
Chapter 1. Ellie. It didn't used to be this way. I tapped my smoke on the ashtray, exhaling the herb-filled vapor. It was a delightful blend of local plants and made to order at the bar. This establishment seemed to have it all. Smokes, drinks, both alcoholic and not. Games, food, gambling. It was all here, meaning everyone in town occupied the small establishment at all hours of the day. Thank goodness all I could smell was my herbal smoke and the alcohol in my friend Zach's breath. I had a feeling the room smelled of sweat and wet fur. How many girly martinis are you going to drink tonight? I raised an eyebrow and flashed him a grin. Zach stared at me, his shimmering gold eyes unamused as he downed the rest of the fruity martini through his tiny straw. Why he always used them instead of drinking from the side of the glass, I did not understand. Perhaps it was so he'd feel he was pacing himself, even if we both knew that was a lie. Setting the glass down, Zach pulled loose strands of red hair back into his bun. I'll have you know these drinks taste a lot better than the straight alcohol you always drink. Aside, it's not straight alcohol. It's called whiskey. Tastes nasty is what it is. I smiled a little. Anyway, I should cut you off there. That's your third one. And our contact isn't even here yet. There isn't much alcohol in these. At least, I taste none. Yeah, I have noticed you don't. But that doesn't mean there isn't any in it. We have gone over this. You're a year older than me. You should know better. He let out a breath of defeat. Oh yeah, a whole whopping year. But fine, I won't have another until the guy gets here. What's he look like again? He's a human, and honestly, I'm not sure we can trust him. But he's the only lead we've gotten so far. Glancing out at the crowded area, I noticed all the beings that were having a good time. On the planet, there were a total of five different races. Six, if one counted Pleiadians separate from humans. There were the Lyrans, who all appeared like a mix of a human and a wildcat. I spotted at least a dozen different groups that had Lyrans in here, and our bartender was one as well. That made sense, since we were in the Lyran zone. Then there were Syrians. There weren't too many of those here. Merfolk, who could change from being fishlike to human in a matter of seconds. Typically, the Lyrans and the Syrians didn't get along, just like cats and fish. But never say that to their face. They don't appreciate that. Then there were Silurians, who were lizard-like and cold-blooded, both physically and emotionally. There were a few in here as well, and I did my best not to make eye contact with any of them. Then, of course, there were the humans, which is what my kind appeared like as well, at least for the most part. I glanced around and found quite a few, as humans like to travel and settle among the different zones, and then create half-species, or half-humans. Typical humans. I sighed as I glanced around some more, seeing if I could spot my own race. As if that were going to happen. This was the new norm, I supposed. There weren't many of us Kaussians left. Shapeshifters who almost all had been destroyed in the attack three years ago. The other races didn't like us, as we could turn into any creature or race we wanted. The only way to tell we were Kaussians was with our shimmering gold eyes. Each zone used propaganda against our race, making it illegal for us to shift. And eventually, we were attacked.
The problem was, our zone was heavily armored and shielded. Someone had to have given them the codes and told them how to get in. I fiddled with the wooden ring that hung from my neck. And that person was my ex, Cornelius Adams. Zack brought me back to the present. Not too many humans in these parts, though, so we might know something. Surprised he didn't want to meet in the quarter. That was fair. Humans typically stayed in the quarter, which was across town. It was where all the humans usually stayed. Then the beach was just on the other side of the city, and was full of shelters for the Syrians to live in. It had been so long since I'd gone out in the water for a swim. Taking a deep breath, I reminded myself what happened the last time I jumped in water, and how the Syrians tried to kill me for entering the area. They also didn't appreciate the fact I could turn into one of them. Live and learn, I supposed. At the time, I was only 13. So one would think they would be a little less aggressive about it. I thumbed my 5Z-742 revolver, which was named Crazy Jack. It made me feel a bit safer when around all of these distinct races. Well, well, well. What do we have here? I heard a crackly voice to my right say. I turned to find three Silurian men. They wore dark, scaly leather, made of the large lizard creatures called drakens they either used for meat, clothing, or road, instead of horses, since horses couldn't hold up their weight. Only the Silurians could tame them, which I had a feeling had to do with the fact they appeared similar. The larger of the three Silurians was the one to talk. He was more than likely their leader, since they always went by who was largest. His eyes were almost at the side of his head. Like a snake, I wanted to shoot before it bit me. But in this crowd, I couldn't do that. I gripped my gun, but kept it in my holster. We weren't doing anything wrong, just enjoying some drinks. Go make trouble elsewhere. I turned and tried to ignore them. One Silurian grabbed my shoulder and turned me back around. I wondered if there would be a day where I could go to a bar without getting harassed. That prospect was looking bleak. Don't you dare ignore me, you Kausian scum. His tongue slithered in his mouth, leaving me disgusted. There was nothing pretty about Salerians. Why couldn't I ever get yelled at by something handsome? Zack stood up. Hey, leave her alone. Oh, don't worry. I wasn't going to forget about you. The Salerian nodded for another two to stand near Zack. Glancing around. I noticed that most eyes were on us now, and it didn't look like anyone was going to help. Typical. No one wanted to get involved if there were Salerians. We have a client we're waiting for, so unless you have business with us, meaning you will pay for our bounty hunting services, I flashed my gun at the Salerian. Then it's best you leave us alone. Are you threatening me? I'm only mirroring whatever your intent is, kind sir. The Salerian hissed glancing around me as if looking for some kind of weakness. If he ever ran into the few Kaussians who were left, my gut told me they usually backed down or groveled at his feet by now. I, however, was not one to grovel. I could see his long, clawed hand reaching towards his leather belt, more than likely where he stored a weapon. Without a second thought, I pulled out my gun and shot him straight in the chest. I heard his two friends let out a screech and hiss. Pivoting, I shot the other two. And then all hell broke loose. For the record, I didn't use my actual bullets, but some tranks. 
the lizards were only asleep, not dead. Bullets, as in real bullets that could kill, screamed across the air now, raining down everywhere. I swear, any time a fight broke out, everyone wanted to join. Especially if it meant hurting a cowsian. Both Zack and I jumped to the other side of the bar. This wasn't the first time we'd been in this situation, and we knew exactly what to do. I checked my gun as I glanced over at him. How many rounds of tranks do you have? Tranks were accessible by most. Real bullets were more difficult to come by, especially for Kaussians. Don't get me wrong, we had some, but we weren't going to use them for something like this. He checked his gun, which was the same model as mine, but was named Lucky Susan. Enough. I nodded and turned to the barkeep, an enormous lyran man. He appeared like a lion with a large mane that was pretty well groomed for working at an establishment like this. He was reaching for the weapon that hung behind the bar, a large shotgun that would do a lot of damage. Barkeepers could protect their establishments, no questions asked. Had that rule been abused to do bad things? Many times. But the rules hadn't changed. Most never changed in this world. This would not end well. We had to stop it before it got out of hand. Well, more out of hand. And before it was all blamed on us. I held out three fingers. Two, then one. Zack and I stood up and unloaded each of our guns with the tranks. We were used to this mess and had excellent aim. The tranks were immediate, and I watched as creature after creature fell to the ground. As my gun ran out of tranks, I knelt back down and reloaded. Peering over at the barkeep, I saw the horror on his face as he lifted the shotgun. I shot him in the chest and turned back around to help Zack. The barkeep hadn't realized we just had tranks and thought we had just killed all these men. When they all woke up, they would realize what had happened, and we would be long gone. The last Lyran dropped to the ground asleep, and I took a deep breath. I didn't feel comfortable putting my gun away just yet and kept an eye out for any movement. After a couple of moments, I jumped over the bar with Zack right behind me. I surveyed the room. It didn't appear too many people had gotten injured by those with the real bullets that had been flying through the air. Most had taken cover and were hit by our tranks before they could get out of there. We saved most of them by knocking them all out, but no one would see it that way. I grabbed my smoke and left a few coins on the counter. I would not dine and dash. Uh, what happened here? A voice said from the entrance. Both Zack and I aimed our guns straight at the man. He threw up his hands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to shoot. We slowly lowered our weapons. Are you Elvira Ryder and Zachariah Richards? I gave him a once-over. He was human. Same in appearance as us Kaussians, except he didn't have glowing yellow eyes. That is, when we hadn't transformed. Are you the informant? Indeed I am. The name is Byron Hill. He glanced around. Come with me. Let's go somewhere that's a bit more... lively. Most aren't dead, just stunned. Well, you will be dead if they wake and you're still here. I have a hideout in the quarter. You won't be disturbed there. Mr. Blondie turned and led us out of the bar.